Agents Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Chime. Chime offers an award-winning sales acceleration platform built for the real estate industry. Powered by artificial intelligence, Chime delivers the data insights agents and teams need to make the most out of the leads they already have and to get to a close faster. Through an expanding partner network, Chime's easy-to-use conversion platform also delivers quality sales-ready leads from the get-go. It eliminates time-consuming manual tasks and helps agents focus on what matters most, building their network, servicing clients, and growing the bottom line. To learn more about how Chime can help you, visit www.chime.me or call 833-682-4463. Okay, lab coat agents, I have a question for you. How many of you got into real estate as a way of finding a better life, maybe more time, maybe to control your time, or maybe it was to just make more money, right? So then you will want to stick around today and listen to our guest who is an expert at investing in land, not just you know structures on real estate like most of you are accustomed to, we're talking about land, and I will say, as, as a 20-plus-year veteran of the business, I don't know a lot of investors or real estate agents that focus on land. So I, for one, am very excited to get to know and get to learn from the Mr. Brent Bowers, who comes to us from Colorado Springs, Colorado, an Army veteran, eight years of service, who now has spent, well, he's going to tell us how many years in the real estate world. Brent, welcome to the show, my man. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm really excited. Love lab coat agents. And sorry about the ding there. I thought I shut out all the apps, but they won't close. <laughs> <laughs> that is a sign of a busy person. No worries, my friend. So, so Brent, tell us, uh, obviously, let's just assume our audience has no idea who you are, never heard of you before. So tell us who you are, where you come from, how you came up in the business and what led you to where you are today. So yeah, thanks for asking. So 2007, I buy my first house and shortly thereafter, it turns into a rental property because I had also gotten my real estate license at the same time. Um, it really helped buying that first house, having that real estate license because you know everyone knows what was going on in 2007. You can pretty much have a heartbeat and get a loan. I did have a steady paying job or actually a business. It was a lawn and landscape, lawn and landscape company. And I was making my shift to real estate because I knew that anybody that was something was in real estate. Uh, but I knew that I wanted to be a little bit different than all the real estate guys I knew. I wanted kind of a life freedom, not just tons of money, but also freedom to do whatever I wanted. So borrow a thousand bucks from great grandmother to buy that first house for the earnest money deposit. And we close and I get paid like $3,500 back. So I pay grandma back and then uh, ended up renting that house out within a few months, moved out of it. I thought I was cash loan. I was, I rented it out, I think for 900 a month and my mortgage payment was 750. Do the math, uh, things break and they're always more than $150 a month, it seems like. And then 2008 happens and everyone knows what happened then as well. 
And I just was on the coast of West Palm Beach trying to sell real estate, just struggling and hurting and crying and dying every day. So I knew I needed something different and uh, tried to join the Air Force. They wouldn't let me in. So luckily, there was a nice Army recruiter next door, and they told me anything I wanted to hear. And before I knew it, I was in basic training and on the way to Afghanistan. <laughs> so wow. Wow. fast forward a few, year, few more years, I um, get back to the States living in Germany for three years. And I always had the fire of passion and like, I got to get back into real estate, got to get back into real estate. So here it is 2013. And I've, I was away from home so much in the military. I started wholesaling houses. And then I ended up kind of getting that business off the ground and it was going. And then I heard this guy on a podcast talking about all these land deals he was doing. I'm like, well, you know, I got all these land mailers. I, I should be mailing these guys as well. So when I did, that was like, you know, it was like gangbusters. My my phone was ringing off the hook. I thought I, I was definitely on to something. I just had to figure out how to systematize it and get it going. So that's that led me into this and to a land investing business that gives us a passive income every single day, allows me to have the finally the, the time freedom that I was looking for with real estate. Um, and here we are in this call. Awesome. Awesome. So before we get too deep into the land, did you ever actually act as a real estate agent or do you just have a license in order to use it to maybe buy and sell? You know, Jeff, I'm a little embarrassed to tell you how I had to act as a real estate agent. About that 2008, you know, I ended up shuffling people around in my car and showing them rental properties. So I must have rented out uh, probably 10 or 15 houses but I, I only had maybe one or two listings. Um, I think I sold a duplex, but that was about it. It was a very short stint as a real estate agent. I let that go. Um, and we actually don't have any licensed agents in our company at all anymore. Wow, cool. Very awesome. So as we get into this, um, I, I would like you to think in the mind of a real estate agent as well. Uh, because what I think as a realtor, what I would be thinking is this, is, is do I want to go down this path potentially as an investor myself, or yeah. do I wanna go down this path as a realtor who is yep. going to educate my investors on how they can make money here. Um, and so with that train of thought, do you have a preferential side of somebody, let's say I'm a realtor, I come to you and say, Brent, you know, I wanna learn, but which route should I go? What would you suggest? Yeah, and I would say as a realtor, I mean, realtors are amazing. And, you know, I love this show because, you know, you, I've heard you talk about it on other episodes of, you know, realtors are like psychologists. It's such a long process. Like the realtors, are, I mean, God bless them because they kind of hold your hand through that entire process. But I would say as a realtor, you know, you're always kind of going to the next project, the next closing, the next deal, almost look at it as almost like something you could set up as a side business because our land buyers never call. Once the transaction happens, we're constantly getting passive income for the next five, six, seven years. If you could have something like that on the side and also selling two, three, four, five, six hundred thousand dollar houses and getting those fat commission checks, you know, why not have both? You know, a monthly payment over here because I know a realtor that just went to Cabo for a month and she she's a good friend of mine. And she's like, man, I got to go out and get some more listings. I just took 30 days off. And I was like, you know, 
Caitlin, why, why don't you have passive income going? So I look at it as, you know, have the passive income. So if you want to take a year off, you know, and then pick that back up, you know, keep your client base because what people move every five to seven years. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So what, why would you, what would you say makes buying and selling or using this passive income concept, which is nothing new to real estate agents, but what makes land potentially better than residential property and rentals? You know, I would say as being an investor of both, I, I, I mean, I'm in, I'm partnered on a 19 unit apartment complex. I own an office building. We have 27 doors, but my biggest part of my portfolio is land with over 250 property, 250 parcels of land and about a hundred notes. I would say the thing that makes land better for me, it's my opinion, is the the the, the stress, you know buyers are not calling me because their toilet's leaking or the roof's leaking or their their septic system's clogged again or or you name it less risk you know a lot of our we only have debt on three parcels of our land out of the 200 and something um so there's less risk i can i can buy a five thousand dollar piece of land and get the same monthly cash flow that i do on a couple of my rental properties and i'm talking five six seven hundred dollars a month in net cash flow. So less risk, less headache, you know, less competition. You don't see a lot of people out there buying and selling land at massive discounts. So we buy the land at a massive discount and we turn around and make it affordable to the masses. What do I mean by that? You know, we kind of have the same model as the, you know, Ford F-150 best-selling truck in America. Why is it the best-selling truck? I'm not saying it's the best truck in America. It's because Ford, when you walk into one of those doors, you're probably going to leave with the truck because they're going to figure out a way to make it to where you can afford that monthly payment. Same thing we do with the land. You know, if a buyer has a down payment, a small down payment or some type of down payment, we'll figure out the monthly payment because we have no debt on the land. So we could be accommodating to more buyers. So that's my very long answer to your short question. No, I think, I mean, and you know, I think it doesn't take a rocket science to to know that or to figure that out, but it's important to say, because I don't think a lot of people think about it, uh, the risk that comes with the annoyance of renters and things that can go wrong on a property, not to mention the lack of competition because nobody is chasing after land for whatever reason. And that's why you're here today because we want to try to educate more realtors to help them find another avenue, another stream of revenue, another form of passive income, right? So let's go back to day one. I mean, what? where did you start? Uh, yeah. I know you mentioned you listened to a podcast, but where did you start? How did you start? And then let's let's uh, go down the path. So I remember it like like it was yesterday. I just gotten out to Fort Carson, Colorado, in 2015, and then shortly thereafter, we we had started wholesaling houses and buying rentals. And and my my mentor that I paid to teach me on the wholesaling side, you know, said don't, don't mail the vacant land, just throw that away. Well, I was looking at the tax delinquent list and there was this huge list of vacant parcels of land and come to find out, I was actually looking at the county held tax lien list. Uh, what does that mean? It's like the land is like either unbuildable or not accessible or you name it, there's an issue with it. And not even the tax lien investors are buying this land. So I mail these guys my postcard that I'm sending to all these houses. Hey, we'll buy your land on this street, blah, blah, blah. 
I mailed out 687 of these in my phone within three days. So it's almost like melting off the hook. And I'm still in the military as an army officer. So I can't take these phone calls. So I get back to them later on. And I ended up buying two parcels pretty much within the first couple of weeks. One of them, I'll tell you about one of them, was I met this guy at a coffee shop right next to Fort Carson. He was a retired CPA. He had traded this land many years ago for some tax work. Well, this land was overlooking the Pike National Forest, not buildable. And I, he, he, he offered it to me for $285. Yes, $285. Pretty much everybody can come up with $285. But me, that was a challenge at the time. I was pretty broke. So I talked to my wife. We went and looked at it on a Saturday the land was incredibly beautiful. I just couldn't figure out why it was unbuildable or what I was going to do with it. How much <clears> How much <throat> land was it, by the way? It was two lots. They were two lots side by side, adjacent, touching each other. It might have been 12,000 square foot. So <laughs> we look at this land. We're hanging out. We had just had our first baby. So the baby's crying, ready to go. So time to go. Well, I saw a real estate office about a mile from the road and I called the real, the real estate office and this is Saturday and thank God a realtor answered the phone. And I was like, Hey, what can I sell? I told her the, the street it was on and she was very familiar with it. She's like, yeah, here's why it's not buildable. This and that um, basically it was a second ingress and egress, super simple thing to solve. You just had to build a road over railroad tracks. Lots of money though. <laughs> so long story short, I was like, what can I blow this thing out? four and 45 days. She goes, maybe $10,000. And I was just like, whoa, you're telling me I could buy this land for 285 and sell it for 10,000. She's like, yeah, I think so. Well, I hang up and talking to my wife five minutes later, she calls back and says, Hey, uh, would you be interested in maybe selling it to me? And I was like, yeah, what are you offering? She said $5,000. And I was like, whoa, okay. When can you close? Well, I'm talking to her on a Saturday. She said, I can close by Wednesday next week. So I was like, great, let's do it. You pick the title company. You got this. Let's go. And I felt really good because this is a real estate agent calling. She's an expert in the area and she knows it's not buildable. So I'm, I can sleep at night selling a non-buildable parcel of land. So I call my seller. I meet him on Tuesday. He gives me a quick claim deed that's signed and notarized. And I take this quick claim deed to the title company and they do their fancy work. And next day I had, by Wednesday, I had five grand in my pocket. And I was like, this is too good to be true. <laughs> this is fascinating. So there's a couple of, I want to unpack this for a second. So first of all, it's, it's a testament that there's probably tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of landowners who 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 acquired land probably a lot of them just gets passed down from family or they had it and now they don't need it or they don't want it or they don't want to deal with it and they don't even take the time to do what you did which was one phone call right it was that simple uh, that's important two um i and i want you to go deeper on the strategy of actually finding these landowners uh, that's number two. And then number three, you mentioned something simple like having the, the egress. So, and I want you to go a little deeper on that, uh, which is probably, again, something very simple that you had to do just a little bit of homework on. But in many cases, I think a lot of landowners might think, okay, this is unbuildable. And they don't really want to go through the headache of finding out why or doing any homework on it. You found out it was actually quite simple, which you didn't even need to deal with. You didn't end up needing to deal with. I'm sure you have before, but let's go back 
and talk about those three points if, if you don't mind. First point, phone call. Just making that that simple phone call, calling people, figuring out what it's worth. You know, most people are just are not willing because I've had people ask, you know, did the guy just realize, not realize what it was worth? You know, I don't think he cared. At the end of the day, he was, I think, in his 70s. He was retired, well set. Like, I wasn't buying it from someone that needed cash quickly. The guy didn't care. He was just so fascinated that I was willing to send him a postcard. He had never seen that before. Number two, the strategy on finding the land. There are so many ways. You could pull a list from listsource.com, Agent Pro 247, and I mean a list of vacant land owners. Um, my list just so happened to be the, the county held tax lien list. I thought I was mailing the county tax delinquent list. I wanted to mail landowners that were behind on their taxes. Well, later on, I finally found that right list. It was a little larger, but it just took me calling the county treasurer a couple times saying, no, this is not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for this list, the one that people aren't paying their taxes on because she thought I was trying to buy tax liens. I just had to let her know, look, I'm a land buyer. I buy land from people that don't pay their taxes. I get it caught up and then I resell it for a profit. She goes, oh, <laughs> once she realized what I was looking for, she sent me both lists and we still mail them today. So let's stop right there real quick. So if somebody was to do this, they wanted to call their county to be very specific. They just need to let them know they want they want a list of the people or trusts or families that own the land, correct? Yes, sir. Same thing with houses. You could use this for houses as well. And a lot of times you're going to get some kickback from these counties. Well, we don't have that list. So then you have to ask, you know, who is in charge of keeping track of who pays their taxes on their, their property? Oh, that's John. Okay. Can I talk, can I speak to John? Oh, by the way, can I get his direct phone line too? You know, you just have to treat these people with respect and keep, keep calling. You might have to call five or six times or show up there, show up there with donuts. <laughs> Whatever. Hey man, that's how, uh, that's how lenders get realtors. So why couldn't it work with the County too, right? 100%. I love treat it. Them, right. Treat them great. Treat them good. Carry on. And then strategy number three, what was that? The, the third strategy, the uh, number talking, three. Just talking kind of about the 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 uh, hurdles that you can run into, like the egress situation yes. um, that 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 occur, I guess. And you probably have other examples of that and how you've overcome them, but but do share. Yeah. So I would say another that that hurdle, because there's always going to be hurdles just with houses, apartments, you know, whatever, even as as realtors telling the seller, like, look, we got to get all this stuff. We got to clean this garage out. You guys have to we have to stage this. You know, you're always going to have hurdles. And at the end of the day, mortgage, real estate, whatever business we're in, we're really in the problem solving business. We are solving a problem for that seller and or the buyer, uh, whatever it is. So the hurdles, like I'll give you an example. The second parcel of land I did pretty much the next week later, I purchased from a lady whose husband had died. He was a stockbroker. And it's so funny. I'll never forget. I met this lady at her house. Her porch was bigger than my entire house. And she, we're sitting on her porch together. And she, I wrote her a $500 check for four and a half acres of land. Um, and this was just beautiful land. But here's another hurdle. It was not accessible. You had to pretty much go across state land to get to it. So I had a realtor tell me like, look, you know, there's ways to work around that. You can get an attorney and this and that, spend boatloads of money to get access. Well, what I did is I just started advertising for a buyer on Craigslist and disclosed everything I knew about it. 
And it was up to my buyer to figure out if, if he wanted to spend the, the $500 down and, and pay the $500 a month for 10 months for this property. So technically I sold it for, for I think five grand actually. So it was 500 down, nine months of $500 a month. But he went into it knowing that he was going to have to get legal assistance to get access to this property. So that's just another hurdle. Um, long story short, I sold that land way too cheap. It's it's probably worth at least maybe $150,000. So that buyer was very happy, very happy to have taken on those hurdles. So other hurdles, you know, you'll get broken chains of title. So you want to do title search. Um, you want to get title insurance if you're spending up to a certain amount for the property. Sometimes I don't do, I don't buy the title insurance if it's a lower dollar property, but we do all of our checks. We make sure that, you know, all the sellers are ready, willing, and able to sign, you know, things like that. So you want to just do your due diligence, talk to a title company, talk to an attorney. I mean, rich people have title companies, attorneys, CPAs, and bookkeepers. So you want to have those people on your team. 100%. To help with those hurdles, hundred percent. I want to I want to rewind real quick. Um, you mentioned so we talked about the county lists where you can just call the counties or you know county or counties. What were the websites that you mentioned, or where where are some of yeah. the resources that you use? So another one is PropStream. I love PropStream for pulling lists. I love ListSource. ListSource.com. Agent Pro two four seven. That one's really cool because it actually tells you the parcel size of the land, which uh, is incredible. You know, the, another name for Agent Pro 247 is Title Pro 247. I think Heritage Title actually owns that company. Uh, but there's so many places that you can get lists out there. Um, and the list is always as good as the county. So if you can get it directly from the county, you're just cutting out the middleman is all you're doing. Are you typically buying them from these sources? Yes, yes. And the county is not charging, I imagine, which is sometimes they do certain counties. I mean, there's over 3,100 counties in the United States. Um, so everyone's a little different and it's not as easy as just jumping on the MLS to get, uh, you know, the data that's all in one place. So the counties are a little, sometimes they're, you know, in the middle of nowhere and there's like no data. I mean, it's, you almost have to kind of learn the county and it takes a little time. I mean, you could pretty much be an expert in like half a day on a county. So why is it that you think that so few just humans are executing or, you know, or are trying to trying to execute on the strategy? Why are so few people going after something that is re- the way you have described it can be relatively simple? And, I, and maybe is the answer part of the answer might be because the profits are smaller uh, but with the smaller profits comes smaller risk. I mean, what are some of the reasons why you think few agents or just anybody are are going after something like this? You know, I think the number one reason is they're like, you know, most people have no clue how to how to monetize it. How how do I make money from a piece of piece of vacant raw land? What am I going to do? Farm it? Raise cattle on it? No, that there's no house to rent out. So. How we monetize it is we offer it on seller financing at a, at a reasonable interest rate, and we sell it at the retail value because we make it affordable. You know, pretty much Americans think, okay, how much is the monthly payment? So I think the reason why most people are not jumping into it is they have no clue how to make money with it. They they look at it as if I'm going to buy a piece of land, that's like parking money, and most banks will not even finance on land. Uh, so it's almost like a you know 
a unique strategy. It's like a niche within the niche, but I think most people just can't figure out how to make money with the land. It's the reason why. Is it because most people just look at it as like buy, flip, buy, flip, buy, flip. But I'm guessing that when I asked you this question, what is your number one strategy with it? Is it to actually buy and then finance, uh, which then creates double the income? So you're probably selling it for more than you pay for it. Also adding on interest. Absolutely. So my my key strategy in the beginning, I was flipping the land. I was selling it as fast as I could possibly sell it. We would wholesale it. I mean, we did some lots that we made a $60,000 assignment fee, $13,000 assignment fee. I got a friend of mine in Texas that I coached up on how to do this. He just did two lots. He made a whopping total of $127,000 net profit on two lots. One of them actually didn't have access in Texas. So you could do fast flips, but I'm looking for that monthly payment. I want them. I will, every single transaction that my and I'm not selling these parcels of land. I've got a I've got a sweet retired uh, lady that sells them for me. She makes like fifty to hundred phone calls a day. She's most of the time in Vegas or Arizona, so she's traveling while she's doing this. But every time Miss Helen does another transaction, I know that we're going to earn another three, four, five, six hundred dollars a month to the passive income each month. So it grows constantly. And most of them are five, six, seven years. We're even doing 30 year mortgages on our bigger parcels now. But yeah, and then this um, small interest, sometimes we do 0% interest because we have such a markup. If we paid 10 cents on the dollar for a piece of land and we're selling it at retail, we don't really have to charge interest. So people love that. What, 0% interest? And they, it's, it's a no brainer for them. Do you find that doing the financing option though is actually creating more buyers? So that probably is what holds a lot of people back is people want to sell these lots, but they want the, they want all of the money or no sale at all. And because you're willing to spread it out over, and, and actually that's the next question, how long do you spread them out over? But because you're willing to do that, do you find that you're actually getting more buyers as a result? 100% Jeff, because we could, we could put a simple ad on Facebook. Say for instance, it's, it's uh, terribly hot in, you know, Orlando, Florida, the month of June. Well, they see the snowflakes on the mountains of our piece of land that we, we have in Colorado with mountain view that's got snow on it. And they see that they can get this parcel of land for $2.99 a month. We just created a land buyer that didn't even exist. Or, hey, it's snowing like crazy in Cleveland, Ohio right now. We've got some Florida land for sale. The sun's shining. The birds are out there. And they see that they can get it for $3.99 a month. Hey, hon, you've been talking about moving to Florida. Why don't we just buy this piece of land? It's, it's $300 a month. No credit check. No background. Let's do it. So we're creating land buyers. So when you do this, so I imagine – I got a couple questions. One – when you mention those scenarios, what are people actually wanting to do long term? Build a house? Yeah, you know, it's funny. Like a lot of our recreation. So there's three types of, of land. You know, I, I put it in three buckets. We got the infill lots. That's the build a house that you just talked about. Usually that's in a neighborhood um, or a path of progress area. And then two, you got your recreational land. That's five acres, couple acres, um, like. Colorado, for example, we've got a ton of recreational land. So it's off grid, like there's never going to be electric or water out there ever. So those people, they're looking for a getaway cabin, off grid, tiny house, container home, like that's their someday, maybe one day I'm going to build a cabin on it, or we're just going to go use it and camp on it, look at the stars, 
dirt bikes, four-wheelers, things like that. And then you got your agriculture land. Usually we're not getting agriculture land that's actually being worked and farmed and, and, and ranches. We're not getting those at massive discounts, but you will find those little needles and haystacks where it's like a smaller parcel, like, you know, 100 acres and you can subdivide it into five 20 acre lots or, or whatever. Um, but most of the time, People just want to build a cabin one day or a, a tiny home or, or just have a retreat to get away. And this COVID has really helped that a lot because people are trying to get out of the cities, even if it's for the weekend type thing. What about, do you find, um, as I was thinking about this, because you get these people that buy this on a whim or on a dream, uh, how often, or, and is this another strategy where people will buy these, get into these monthly payments and then realize a year or two years down the road, I don't want it anymore, or I, I, I run into hard times or we're vacating it. And then you still retain the land, you retain their money. And now you go back to doing what you just did with them. Does that happen? Yeah, out of every, say, 12 or 13 properties we sell, we do have one default. Um, unfortunately, you know, they'll either, sometimes they've been paying it on it for six, eight, 12 months, and we're already profitable, and we do a cancellation of contract. A lot of our properties we sell on contract for deed. Um, I recommend people, if they're looking into this, you know, check with an attorney about that, make sure that that's that contract for deed is buttoned up, ready to go. Um, but we sell it on contract for deed. So what does that mean? They give us a down payment and a monthly payment for this many months, say 60 months. Um, and if they get behind within 60 days, we could technically take the property back. Now, we don't want to resell the land because we've got all this land over here to sell. So we want to keep these payments coming in. So we will, you know, loan modification it, whatever, you know, whatever works for them. I took one, I took one guy down from $3.99 a month to $80 a month. Because, I mean, we've already collected almost six grand from this gentleman. We're already profitable. And we don't want to take that property back because this guy has friends. You know, we do that for him. He's going to tell other people about it. We Ultimately, we want the guy to take ownership of his land and become a landowner because birds of a feather flock together. We get a lot of referrals. But yes, that's the ugly part about this business. Easy come, easy go. So it's easy to get into. It's easy for them to be like, eh, yeah, we don't want it anymore. Or I had one guy, he bought like five lots for his girlfriend. You know, he didn't pay very long on those. It was like three months. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, here's what I'm thinking to myself is I'm not thinking ugly. I'm thinking easy because when you have a, pro a renter uh, that vacates a property, it's like every single time they destroy it on their way out. Or they do something, right? <laughs> but what can you do to a piece of land? What you know, dig a hole, kick some rocks. I mean, that's the beauty of it from your perspective, is your risk is so minimal. What can they really do to a vacant piece of land? And that's I guess where it takes yeah. into that that risk factor where I think I swear there are business models that that prey on like they want you to default because they still own whatever the asset. And if you default, they just collected all that money. Now they get to go redo it all over again. Yeah. Yeah, it happens all the time. And we'll send an email, like if they ever come back, like, hey, you've paid this much money, we'll credit it towards your next parcel of land. Because honestly, we, the second we put it back on the website, it's like resold because we already have the pictures. We already had the drone photos. Like it's almost like a beautiful package. I would say the worst thing that's ever happened to me on a parcel of land is my land. I used to have a, another land sales uh, specialist and she actually helped our land buyers move 
Well, we didn't realize they were moving on to the land that we had just sold them. And the uh, Metropolitan District Manager calls me and he's like, you've got this people squatting on this lane. He's got like a refrigerator out there and their tent and a camper and all these things. And we called her and it's like, look, you cannot live there. She's like, well, I want my money back then. So we gave her her money back after we made sure that everything was cleaned up on the land. I mean, that's probably, that was the worst situation we ran into. I mean, if that's the worst, that's not so bad. <laughs> so from an investment standpoint, I mean, that's, that's where the low risk comes in. So let me, let me ask you this. How often are uh, agents or you guys buy, are you only buying in your counties around where you live and work, or are you buying properties and markets outside of your own? And if you are, how does somebody go about doing that? Or what's the strategy there? So recently, I have kind of stopped buying in my local area just because the KPIs, we track key performance indicators. We're always trying to figure out where we can have a better ROI. So I'm in eight counties. Um, we do not look at the land anymore. Uh, I did start in my own back, backyard. Every once in a while, we have a sweet deal come up that we will buy. But, you know, as far as getting started, you know, you could kind of pick an area um, and I go off my criteria. I look for a path of progress or something like, you know, I'll give you a county that I love that I'm in. I know a lot of other land investors are in. You know, it is it's a pretty tight knit community of land investors because it's not huge, but it's Costilla County, Colorado. It's the poorest county in Colorado. We make tons of money out there. Um, you know, I say pick a county like that or Apache, Arizona, where land is so cheap. I mean, we bought 117 lots at one time in Apache with title insurance from another land buyer for 45 grand. That works out to what, 391 a lot? And some of those were two acres. So I guess that's kind of how you get started. You don't have to be in your own backyard. If your backyard is like New York City, I wouldn't recommend buying land in that area because those, those land owners are probably never going to sell to you at less than 50 cents on the dollar. They might, you know, you, you will eventually a blind hog finds an acorn. You probably will just have to send out more LOLs or I call them land offer letters or postcards. Um, you just have to mail more really. Do you think that um, buying like where, where's a target rich environment? Is it, is it the, the counties that are outside of the metropolitan areas or are we talking rural, rural areas? I generally like to be an hour plus, an hour or more away from the McDonald's and the Walmarts. Those are my bread and butter recreational properties. I mean, those you could buy all day long, 20, 30, 40 cents on the dollar and turn around and offer easy financing to somebody and get the monthly payments. And at the end of the day, I mean, I always try and shoot for a specific ROI, but I know like that ugly fact we just talked about my children are probably going to end up with this land one day, some of it, because it's going to keep churning and recycling because when they realize like, hey, you actually have to pull permits to dig a foundation or do soil tests or run water in or get electric. I mean, we have people that let go, let land go sometimes just because they realize they've got to deal with the power company to get electric in there. So it's, we try and educate, but sometimes it's, <laughs> we just get the land back. Doesn't sound like a bad uh, proposition in, in many cases, I imagine. Yeah. So, so, okay. So, so the, the answer to that, so then one more strategic question. Uh, you talked about KPIs. 
what are the top five KPIs that you're looking for? So somebody's sitting here listening to this saying, I, I'm in, I want to go for this. What should I be looking for? All right. So I track them on buy side. For instance, we, we look at, say, for instance, the property is worth $1,000 an acre. I want to be somewhere around, you know, a 3x return. So if I'm going to pay, um, if I know I can sell it for $1,000 an acre, I know that I want to be somewhere around $370 an acre is what I want to pay. Now, on the sell side, very easy to track your KPIs. You know, my top key performance indicators right now are signs, referrals, and retargeting ads on Facebook. But I, looking at it as a whole, for the third quarter of um, 2020, we are, actually, this is the second quarter of 2020. Let me back up. It was the second quarter of 2020. I know that for every dollar we spend in advertising, that's putting signs out, that's paying my sign guys, that's paying my girl that posts on Facebook. For every dollar we spend, we'll make 6400 and something dollars, $6,400 in contracts or gross enterprise value. So we will- For every we will, dollar. Yep. And my- That's, 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 that's uh, it's insane. That's where we just lost half of your listeners. They probably just stopped listening. They don't believe that. <laughs> or they just um, crashed because they're driving in their car. Right? <laughs> but we track that. And I know on our house buying business, um, we haven't really talked much about that. But I know that for every dollar we spend in advertising, we make about $3 back. Great, great ROI. However, bigger spreads, more risk. But the sales side, and I, when I mean gross enterprise value, I want to break that down is, you know, we're not putting $6,400 in our pocket immediately. It is, hey, you're going to buy this piece of land. You're going to give me $500 down and, you, and it's financed for $6,400 over five years. So we know that marketing dollars go very far when selling land. Yeah, but let, but you mentioned it in the very beginning is that this is not necessarily a flipping game. This has more potential as creating passive income, as, as creating perpetual ongoing passive income. And I imagine as you get into this, you just start getting better at it. So with that said, where do you recommend somebody just from scratch? I'm a realtor. I'm a mortgage guy. I'm a title person. I'm in real estate in general. Where do I start? What do I do? You know, if I was a realtor, I would start first off. I don't have access to an MLS. There's a, that's very powerful. You can look at the parcels of land that have been on there for years and maybe go and see like, okay, how do I get this parcel? I mean, start making offers at 20, 30 cents on the dollar to those parcels of land. I have another friend. He he does a little bit crazy, a little bit more of a unique strategy, but he buys land and he seller finances it when he buys it and he he takes ownership of it. And then he turns around and seller finances it when he sells it. So he puts five grand down on a piece of land, say 40 acres. He puts five grand down and pays the seller, you know, 500 a, a month. He turns around and has a buyer that's ready to put 10 grand down and pay him $1,000 a month. So it's almost like an arbitrage, but really my friend takes ownership of the land. The seller holds the deed of trust and the promissory note. So he's like being the bank. And then my buddy turns around and sells his land on a, a contract for deed to the buyer. So it's such a massive spread. Like he's literally doing it with almost hardly any money out of his pocket. Oh, by the say, way, he's not he's using his own money there. It's buyer's money. 
his buyers because his buyer deposits the money into an escrow account. So that's one way to get started. Like, and I, I know we're talking to a bunch of realtors here, like check the MLS. There's pure gold with land on the MLS. Um, number two is every county collects taxes for the land. So every county has some form or fashion of a tax delinquent list. So it's easy as sending a postcard or a land a LOL land offer letter to these owners of this land that maybe live out of state and they're not paying their taxes on this land. You think they want the land if they're a couple years behind on taxes and they live out of state? More than likely not. Right, right. And so you mentioned the tax delinquent list. Is that a different list from the county? So the tax delinquent list comes from the county, but there's also something that a lot of people don't even know about is the county held tax lien list. That's where, say, for instance, I buy tax liens on property. I get paid an interest rate. That's where someone like me wouldn't even buy the tax lien because the land's either unbuildable or not accessible or, or just weird. Um, so a lot of times who, who gets stuck holding the bag on that is the county. So no one ever forecloses on that landowner. No one ever pays those back taxes and they can go many, many years. And sometimes the county will even, you know, take 20 cents on the dollar on the back taxes. Um, I have a student, uh, one of my coaching students, he just negotiated with Lee County um, to take a massive, uh, <laughs> massive discount on these back taxes. And I think he pulled like a $9,000 um, assignment fee off of it or profit. I don't know how he did, took ownership, but basically the county was like, yeah, sure. We'll take whatever we can get. <laughs> Interesting. Awesome. I'm interesting. I mean, it, at the end of the day, it sounds to me like this just requires a little bit of due diligence. You just got to be willing to put in a little bit of work to find this stuff. You mentioned coaching client. So obviously you do coaching on this. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Tell us. And then as we're, as we're getting a little long on time, uh, tell us how people can find you as well. So tell us a little bit about this coaching platform and kind of how you, how you have that set up. And if anybody's interested in learning more and this says, listen, I'm willing to pay some bucks to learn how to do this the right way. What do they learn with you? Yeah, I thanks for asking, Jeff. Um, so basically, I started coaching in June of, of this year, and I built the core, I, I took actually 16 students on I one on one coached them. And then I created a course around that. And they're all filmed modules on Kajab, you can like do these at midnight. Um, and they're action steps. It's not a lot of fluff. There's no BS. There's no filler. I'm not telling stories. I'm giving you A, B, C, D steps on how to start this from beginning to end and systematize this, systematize this entire business. Like you keep talking about due diligence. I'm not doing the due diligence. I have people, virtual assistants, high school student, retired grandmother helping me with this business. So I have a team. I've set it up that way. And that's the same thing I teach in, in my course. And then we do weekly support calls every Tuesday. We have a forum that I have a, a gentleman that runs it. He's been in real estate like 50 years. Um, so it's at the end of the day, we want to have our students earning passive income within like 45 to 50 days of starting the course. Wow. And, and what kind of, do you recommend somebody wanting to get started in, started in has a, you know, kind of has, has, has a pot of money sitting aside. And if so, how much is that? You know what? I would say if you can spend about $1,200 a month to mail in the beginning, I, I didn't have a pot of money. I told you about the deal. I had to pre-sell that stuff. I was spending rent money and grocery money and we just had a new baby. I mean, if you have a discretionary income of $1,200 a month, you can light fires. I mean, you, you will excel huge. I mean, 
but my father, he's on his like 33rd land deal. He handwrites all of his letters. I mean, his marketing budgets, maybe whatever he's spending in stamps, you know, 20 mailers a month. So he's spending like $10. I'm sorry, 20 mailers a week. He's spending like $10 a week in stamps. So he does it on a very minimal budget, but he does a couple deals a month and that's, that's all, all he needs. It's fascinating. So if somebody wants to learn more, if somebody wants to find you, if somebody wants to stalk you, where do they do so? Stock away. So we call our course the Land Sharks. So if you want to, you know, book a call, schedule a call with me or someone on my team, and maybe we can help you out or answer some questions, go to thelandsharks.com. That's T-H-E-L-A-N-D-S-H-A-R-K-S.com. Sharks is plural, thelandsharks.com. Does that come with a cold beer as well? No, not that land shark. That's why we had to take the plural. <laughs> so no beers, no beers. No, no, no relation to Jimmy Buffett is what you're saying. No, I wish, man. <laughs> I love it. So the land sharks, plural.com. You can go learn more. Just real quick. If, if somebody does that and wants to get into this platform, uh, they're going to learn how to cash flow and, and turn a profit within 30 to 45 days. Do you mean that you're going to have them already have purchased a home purchased and either flipped or already uh, renting it to somebody in that amount of time, or you're just going to teach them how to start in 30 to 45 days? No, no. Um, it basically, the way the course is set up, you can get through the entire course in like 18 days. So no, that 45th day, we want that that first down payment, that first land payment to be coming in. I have one guy, uh, Tom Robinson, I hope he doesn't mind I'm mentioning his name. I mean, he had cash flow coming in on day 31 and he was one of my first students so this is not something it's not like buying commercial building or or buying and flipping a house like i've got house flips well we just did our, we just renovated our office building it took one year one year to stabilize this thing so these are quick quick and easy i mean there's no house it. on it <laughs> i love it and generally speaking last question generally speaking do you find that most of your students focus on their a certain radius around them, or do you have students going all over? I have students going all over, it seems like. And I give some example counties, um, counties where I know there's other land investors, counties where I'm at, because I don't ever recommend reinventing the wheel. Pioneers get arrows in their back. I'm not a pioneer. You give me a system, I'm going to follow it, and we're going to make money with it. So my students are kind of picking areas all over. I will say, some of them, they'll pick like areas that they're interested in because, hey, what if I get stuck with the land? Oh, it's on a lake. That's fine. I'll, I'll keep it if I get stuck with it. So that's probably the only dynamic is they have like a personal interest towards it. Like one reason I mentioned I don't look at the land anymore is because I kept falling in love with this stuff. And my wife's like, you cannot keep more, like we can't keep all of it type thing. So that's funny. emotion was that's, getting involved. That's funny. Yeah, <laughs> you, you were a hoarder of, of land. Exactly. I love it, man. I love it. So the landsharks.com, Brent Bowers, this has been fantastic. Where can, where can our audience find you on social media? Yeah. Uh, check me out. Brent Bowers. I'm on Facebook or Brent L Bowers on Instagram. Same thing with Skype, Brent L Bowers, Ella's in Lima. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty much on all the social media sites. Love connecting. This has been really fun. Uh, coaching just it's, it's huge when you see students making more than you on some land deals. Um, you almost like my team's tired of it. Cause I keep going back and bragging about my students and like, okay, whatever, <laughs> go, go back to what you're doing. 
Well, I think it's a, it's a testament that there's a lot of opportunity out there and it's just like real estate. There's, there's more agents than there, you know, there's, there's plenty of business to go around. And um, I think there's this probably rings true more so for land investing than probably anything else in real estate in terms of the opportunity that exists. Huge, deep blue ocean. That's so true. I love so it, true. man. Brent, it's been, it's been great to get to know you. It's been great to hear your stories. Uh, and and uh, I think uh, hopefully, maybe, I tell you what, if anybody's listening to this and you, 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 you follow this path, whether you do it on your own or you do it through Land Sharks, we want to know about it. Uh, so please let us know. Uh, go friend us. You, you know where to find us on, on Facebook. You know Lab Code Agents clearly. That's why you're listening to this. We want to hear about it. So if you do something with this, you know, post something and tag us and talk about the testimony of it because uh, it's, it's a powerful thing. And this is why we share. So Brent, thank you so much for sharing. You could be keeping this strategy in your back pocket and just dominating in, in, around the country with the few others that are doing the same thing, but you don't, you share. We appreciate that. Now you're teaching people how to do it. So we appreciate you. We appreciate your time and thank you for being on today. Thanks Jeff so much. This episode of Lab Code Agents Podcast is brought to you by Link U. That's L-I-N-K, the letter U. Link U increases your referrals and conversions with automated and personalized digital follow-up. Link U's ultimate follow-up machine and done-for-you follow-up services can save you time, money, and energy by putting your follow-up on autopilot. And that's something we all need. This is how you get in front of your SOI and past clients and all different types of leads to get that consistency that you've been looking for. You want to learn more? Then you've got to attend one of their webinars hosted by LinkU's CEO and my friend, Wesley Rocha, where he reveals his follow-up secrets and the fastest way to double your real estate business. You can register now at www.followuplab.com. Trust me, this is not something you want to miss. Register now at followuplab.com. Lab Coat Agents Podcasts.